are listening to the Chomp Cast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. And remember, you can always go to swordchomp.com where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. But if you're listening to the show right now, that means you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chompcast. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash swordchomp. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, look for that VIP tier. More on that later. But, you know, whether it's the sort of alternate Nazi history game out there like The Memory of Us or like Wolfenstein or something like Far Cry that is inspired by real-life cults and modern America, video games oftentimes use dark realities, our dark realities, as inspiration. So we thought it'd be a pretty fun topic of the show if we talked about, you know, is story more affecting if it parallels real-world scenarios? And we're going to get some help from the Instagram community there as well uh, and dig deep on that topic of the show. Um... (laughs) And Josh just messaged me, and now he shakes his head. And sh- I have to have it on for a reason, Josh. You'll see in a second. All okay. right. That's part I'm of the show. Sure. Um, All right. We, uh, we have some inspired polls to run through today as well. Um, every Tuesday, you vote at the Sword Chomp Instagram, and we discuss it on the podcast. Uh, poll topics this week include Assassin's Creed Odyssey. A couple topics there. Um, the new Joker being played by Joaquin Phoenix. And the art for Death Stranding was dropped by Kojima this week, among other things. And we, I have two. Uh, I want to take some time to highlight two very special interviews that we did this pack, past week or so. Um, me and Shay on our side podcast, our sister podcast, uh, because they were really, really interesting and and really cool. For I want our listeners to be aware of those and how they can find them. Uh, so all that and more on this week's. Chomp cast. But let's get to some intros. Um, guys, this is pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> so, this is a weird week because Fish isn't here, right? You know, um, it's a strange week. Our comrade Fish is traveling to Montana for my wedding. Uh, the Filipino Johnny Depp is missing in action. But the good news is, Fish has been secretly working on a new revolutionary alter ego AI. God damn it! Who's messaging me? Sorry, that's Shay. Stop messaging me, Shay. I need this for the bit. <laughs> He's going to do it just to fuck with me now. One. No, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Shay? Was- Shay fucking with you? I, I don't do that. I'm, I'm a very nice, cordial, professional individual. This is why it's dangerous. I your cannot phone on. believe you. I can Slandering believe. Shay's good name like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. Mm. Very rude. Sorry, I was over the line. It was over the line. All right. I can't believe you are you'd a, insinuate that. You are a habitual line stepper. Yeah. As it were. <laughs> That's true. I would say I am a habitual line closer. God damn it. Now you got me all flustered. Huh. I would say I'm a I habitual. I thought you just said you were a habitual <laughs> loincloth. <laughs> I would I would say I'm a habitual line crosser. Um, okay. That's that's a lot of that that whole L enunciation there got me habitual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so good news though, guys. Fish has been secretly working on a new revolutionary alter ego AI. He's been working on it for weeks now. Weeks. He started working on it after he watched the movie Her a couple weeks ago, and he's been feverishly just. Cranking away at it in his basement. <laughs> uh, see, see what I did there? Um, 
but it, it's pretty interesting. So he wanted to make this so that when he missed the podcast, we could ask his alter ego questions or could chime in. And so now it's not perfect. Okay. Um, it's got some kinks and you know, like the, when you were first getting a new software out there, it's like prototype alpha, it's still got some kinks to work out. So if, if it's a little off or a little weird at times, it's just because of that it's just it's a prototype. Okay. So bear with me. Um, but, uh, anyways, fish, I know you couldn't be here this week, so I guess I'll ask your AI this, um, how are you doing this week, Fish? Uh, how are you? It's me, Mario, pump, pumping my dick into Princess Peach. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it wasn't exactly the hello I was expecting, but um, you know, he's Mario. It's 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 like I said. There's some kinks we still mm. got to work out. So, huh. Nothing, huh? I don't um, even know what to think right now. Let's <laughs> let's let, let's try this again. I mean, fish, are you? We get some of those kinks out. I don't even know what that was. What is that? What is that supposed to be? Is that Elmer Fudd? Is that? That is, I don't even know what. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I think maybe uh, a third line of code might help you out there, fish. Maybe I don't know. I I agree. I feel like fish did ayahuasca before even beginning this trip <laughs> to make anything. <laughs> For real. He's like, uh-huh. I I see my purpose in life. And then he immediately went to his phone and started recording this. Hmm. All right, uh, last last try, fish. Uh, let's see if we can get a good response out of you. Misa, donkey, a punch on my boyfa. She's a like All right. Well, we'll 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 want we'll to come back to the, oh to fish God. in a little bit. He's still he's still got some work, uh, but we know I'll take I'll take a glitchy fish over no fish at all. You know what I mean? So hmm. that's my personal uh, attitude on that. Um, also, I do have Fish's full approval for all of these. So I just think it's important to mention that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're only going to get worse from here. No, they have been uh, carefully, you know, AI is interesting. It's a fascinating technology. But thanks for being here, Fish, sort of, uh, in a weird way. So we'll, we'll look forward to talking about later, later, later on in the show. Uh, it's true. True. Artificial ignoramus is always a difficult thing to work with. Oh, artificial. I see what you did there. Come on, don't say that about him. Come on. Um, I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about what he created. Oh, that's that's true. It's true. I mean, it was Jar Jar Binks impression. And that guy, let's be honest, he is an ignoramus. (laughs) Does anybody think it's startling that Fish does an incredibly good Jar Jar Binks? It's like, a, it's like an incredible, an absolutely incredible. Uh, mm. He's got a weird repertoire of, of impressions Fish does. Jar Jar Binks, Elmer Fudd, apparently, like, they're going to probably get weirder. I just, that's like his well, bank. You know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for him to do uh, the impression of a juggalo. Oh, no. No, that's never. Cross the line. Cross the line. Um, yeah, it's, it's always tough because I know it was where we started on time tonight because fish is normally, you know, I would say he's fashionably late, like 
but he's usually probably just taking a shit. That's what he does, right? Like I usually before we go, to, we start the podcast. We'll we'll kind of you know if we ate or whatever, we like to get everything out. And I I always eat like some spicy Chinese food, so it's pretty painful for me. But uh... oh, that's a shame, man. My shits are fucking badass. Oh, huh. they're streamlined. They come straight out. They fuck it. I don't even. You know, I feel it coming out, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like much. I look down, it's a fucking big old goddamn pile of shit. And it's a healthy-looking one, too. I look at that thing, and I'm just like, god damn, I'm a fucking beast. All right, all right, you got me. I'm jealous. I, I need, you got a good diet. You got a good diet. So, I'm jealous of that. Um, a man, another man with a great diet. Uh, the professor, Shay Layton, is here joining us from Japan. A couple things I want to highlight this week. Uh, that's me. I was supposed to do a drum roll, but it sounded like a phone ringing. Sorry about that. Hmm. Um. Huh. Huh. Um. <laughs> Every day, we stray further from God. Oh. I well, like, I, I, like any, anything remotely I had to say that was funny just went out the window. I'm just, I'm perplexed. I'm confused. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope that that's the continuity. I imagine that people that listen to our podcast are just as equally um, confused. I, I like to think that maybe they're laughing, but then they feel really horrible and disgusted at the same time. But yeah, Shay, I feel, uh, like, I feel like one, <laughs> of, one or two of our Patreon people are going to be like, you know what? I didn't sign up for poop jokes. Oh, yes, they did. That's, that's for damn sure. Um, Sorry, I'm sorry about all the dinging. It's just going to be part of the, the deal today. But you no, just, Shay's... You do realize phones can make noise without having the ringer on, right? I, I don't this... want to lose the thing I'm open on. I'm going to lose it. By moving the slider. Just, just let him have it. Let him have it. Let him okay. have it. No, no, let I mean, this it. is... Wait, hold on. No, hold I on. get it. I get hold it. On. I, I totally hold understand. On. I may this have fixed is... it. I think I fixed this it. This is like every it. old person who has ever... Got in a phone call in the middle of a movie and walked all the way out of the room with it still ringing. I, I fixed yeah. it. I fixed it. Okay, mm. so I was just paranoid. I didn't want to fuck with it, but I, I turned off the ringer. So I think we're fine. <laughs> I think we're fine. Uh, of course, and this would be the one time of day that I'm getting all these random messages from my fiance. Uh, but yeah, Shay, you did a pretty exciting... I wanted to highlight some of the interviews we did briefly in our intros um, because I want to make sure they get the right publicity, but they're also really interesting. You did a pretty exciting interview on your side podcast, Evoking the Sublime, with the mm-hmm. legendary Greg Kasavin. Um, I was wondering, like, yeah. sort of how you felt about that, like any big takeaways you could tease the listeners with if they go to check it out? Yeah, I... It's funny because I did that, at, and I think I've, I talked about it last week too. I did it at like 3 a.m. So I was super loopy. So my first takeaway was don't do interviews at 3 o'clock a.m. Because <laughs> then you're going to sound like you are on some type of drug. So that, that was an interesting experience. Like trying to remember the thing I just said if that was the correct thing I just said. <laughs> That's scary. Every single time something came out of my mouth. So that was, that was a weird experience for sure. Mm-hmm. I, but no, it was, it was a dream come true for me, to be honest with you, because uh, Bastion is a game. Um, that's the game we talked about that, you know, ever since I played it seven years ago, it's a game I just, it's constantly been on my mind. Um, mm-hmm. 
every year I think about that game and I, I want to play it again. And I think about the music and I put on the soundtrack. So it's it really nice to kind of delve deeper into the, the inner workings of how that game came to be, like how it came to fruition. And Greg was super nice guy. He was very, very easy to talk to. He's a ton of fun. And for me, it kind of elevated my game as an uh, interviewer. So it just, it was a really fun interview. It, it kind of gives you an insight and a window into what goes into developing a video game or writing a video game. Yeah. And Cause he was the writer on Bastion, right? Well, he was a writer on Bastion, Transistor and Pyre. Uh, so he, he was, he was the main writer of all three of them. And I think the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that I took away from that interview out of everything is um, they, they've been a studio <clears throat> for a good nine years now, and they've managed to keep the same core people over that yeah. period of time. And that's, mm-hmm. that's huge because you look at studios that close left and right. I mean, you look at Telltale, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. just six years ago, they they put themselves on the map by releasing The Walking Dead. I mean, they were a bigger... I mean, they, they were a studio before that, but they really put themselves on the map with the release of that game. And in six short years, they have since closed down. And that's just one of many, many examples of how quick this industry changes and how easily it can leave people behind. So the fact that they've stayed together for nine years through thick and thin, the same core of people, they want to still make games together. They still want to make games at all. Is super impressive, and uh, he went yeah, into detail yeah. about that. And it just for me, it was really eye opening that, like, you know, in life that we, if we if we have enough drive and determination, we we can still pursue our dreams and to do the things we want to do at the end of the day. So it and he he details that. So it was super interesting for me to learn uh exactly kind of what it what it takes or what it took for them to continue down that path so it was a lot of fun it was it's was, it was great to you know actually talk with someone who worked on bastion it just it was a lot of fun yeah and just like greg's mind is interesting because he grew because he wrote a lot of legendary reviews for GameSpot in their heyday and then he went to work for ea which i actually didn't know uh yeah i didn't interview. either um, and then he was probably, I imagine that he's like, hey, you know, EA, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I imagine that he, he, he was working at EA and then he wanted to branch off and do his own thing, which was risky and scary, but he was willing to do that because he wanted to follow his dream, which leads me to believe that perhaps his job at EA was not fulfilling him in the way that, um, he ended up being fulfilled at when yeah. super giant. So, right. I, I remember in the interview, he basically stated that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. The um, two creators of the studio, um, basically, they they were tired of just kind of like the the surface level, basically, of creating, and that they they wanted to work on their own time to create the things that they ultimately wanted to, and then you know Greg Greg um, they asked him he had the opportunity, so um, he went. He went with it, and he said that basically he was happy that they took a chance on him, and that they continue to take a chance on him nine years later. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it was just a fun guy to that listen wasn't to. Satisfied. Yeah. I think it was just 
you know, kind of everyone wanted to create these very unique pieces of art. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. <clears throat> um, yeah. Josh was making fun of me. He's like, yeah, not that I don't want to put words in his mouth, but five minutes later, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he hated EA. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. No, he's an, he's an interesting guy because like just, you could listen to him talk for hours. He's a really, he's well-spoken, really super intelligent. And he, you could tell he really cares deeply about games since he was a kid and he was critically reviewing them uh, for many, many years and every facet of them. And he had to have a well-respected opinion. You know what I mean? It wasn't like one of those, um, back in the day, it wasn't like one of those brash reviewers where you'd just be like, oh, fuck this guy. Like, it was just a very, like, straightforward, honest breakdown every bit of the game. So, anyways, I, it's, it's a great interview. You should definitely check it out. Evoking the Sublime is our one of our sister podcasts. You should check it out. If you, if you don't subscribe already, you Made by do our it. favorite sister. Our favorite sister. Um, <laughs> my podcast is the, the non-favorite sister. It's the ugly sister. Um, but we still love her too. <laughs> um, Joshua Fowler is here. That's that was Josh chiming in there. Um, Joshua Fowler's here from Michigan, of course. Josh, I thought of you uh, yesterday. I, I put this on the Patreon VIP, but I was just kind of bored and decided to clear out some stuff in Far Cry last night, and I found the shovel launcher, and uh, I did not know that was a thing, and I don't know if I was. <laughs> missed did you was that a thing do you remember the shovel launcher because i don't remember that but it might have been there the whole time i it was there okay yeah i must have just grazed over it yeah it's right there on the first menu screen you can just buy it, it was expensive though it cost, it cost me a lot of money but mm. oh man josh the way you could just shoot shovels out of that rocket launcher <laughs> it's the best feeling mm -hmm. i uh, yeah, the gardening tools are just the best thing in that game by such a huge margin. They're, they're, they're so good. I, uh, there was a, I haven't put this video up, but there was an accident. I came across this guy getting mauled by a bear, and I meant to shoot the bear. Instead, I shot him with the shovel launcher. So he was getting mauled <laughs> to death. <laughs> he was getting mauled to death by the Aww. bear, and then I hit him with the shovel. And the, the funny thing about the shovel launcher is the way their bodies react to it, is like comical like the way the bodies just like explode like ragdolls out you know much like you would probably react if a shovel came flying at you at like 50 miles an hour so mm -hmm. it's i should just i should go through the new game plus in there and just use the shovel launcher the entire time never use anything but a shovel launcher that sounds like a good that would plan. be awesome <laughs> that would be really fun um you could stream that shit too shovel, <laughs> shovel launcher playthrough Mm -hmm. It only holds five shovels, though, and then you got to buy more. So, mm. well, you'll figure something out. I want infinite shovels. Infinite shovels. Yeah, I'm, um, there's got to be a code for that. It's an open world game. Just codes. You know, type in the open world. You're the codes. infinite shovel <laughs> shovel code for that Co game. Codes aren't a thing anymore, Josh. Come on, there's no still such thing as cheat codes anymore. Mm. There should be. If it's an open world game, there ought to be cheat codes. We should do a, a topic of the show on cheat codes one day. All of our favorite childhood cheat codes that we used to use. Mm. That we never use anymore. That would be, that would be awesome because I actually still have random ones memorized. And I could pull them up mm -hmm. at any given really? time. So. Wow. That's impressive. We'll save and, that. And there was never a nude code for Tomb Raider. <laughs> Believe me, I tried. <laughs> well, 
You could just go to Egypt if you want to see pyramids. <laughs> that was a good one. That's a... <laughs> that actually, yes. Oh, man. All right. Well, oh, man. <laughs> I guess so. Um, anyways, so uh, that that's uh, glad you're here, Josh. I'll be seeing you probably next week. Mm-hmm. I will be seeing you next week for sure. So, um, a lot of cool stuff we can catch on while you're here. Maybe we can record some stuff on site. Yeah, they'll probably be annoyed by all the pictures and videos I'll be taking, but <laughs> I document everything. So, be mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and of course I am Morgan Barnes, general mountain from Montana. I, I'm pretty excited. I was, I didn't, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to do an interview with David Buckley, which is someone you've probably never heard of. Um, but basically he was the composer for Arkham Knight, which is a game I just finished. Um, but he also, he was interesting because he was a super nice guy. He lives in LA, but, um, he does a lot of work with a lot of other composers. Like he came over, um, very at a, you know. I believe he was in his twenties, uh, young twenties, f- from England to work with Harry Gregson Williams, which was a very famous composer of film and video games. He was doing Metal Gear Solid Four at the time and knew him from his childhood, and basically said, "Hey, I need some help working on some compositions for this game because I just don't have the bandwidth to do everything they need." And that's how he got his start. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting things about that interview, but it was just interesting to hear him talk about how at first. There was like video game composers and then there's movie composers and there's sort of like a snobbery between like movie composers. And now there's just all this crossover and that snobbery is sort of faded away, which is, is pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, but uh, anyways, it's it's a, a great it's a fun interview. Um, my sister podcast, my ugly sister podcast is called In the Blood. <laughs> um, we try to get those out there. There's a lot of interviews on both of our besides the ones we mentioned as well. So, you know, we want to grow that sword chomp family with the, and these are interesting. I, they're just like, it, they're fun growth things. I think for me and sure Shay feels the same way. Like you, you just learn a lot from these, the whole process of interviewing people. It's very, it's very strange. Like I always kind of get like caught off guard when they start. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I'm interviewing some composer in Los Angeles. This is weird. And then you just kind of get into it. It's, 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 it's a fun challenge though. Yeah. It's like, it's like for, however long you're you're recording basically you forget that you're talking to someone spectacular and you're just like trying to keep this conversation going and then the minute it ends you're like oh yeah i'm just this like random douchebag just interviewing this awesome (laughs) human being like like before like you're going up to it you're super nervous you it starts and you're like oh just riffing with my old buddy and then when it ends you're like oh yeah Mm -hmm. i just did something with someone yeah Eh, gotta turn that off for a little while yeah i remember for the first like 10 minutes of the first interview i did with uh, nathan mccree of tomb raider i remember just being like so like tripping i was tripping so hard i don't remember a thing he said i was just like (laughs) try to remember one word that he's saying because you gotta talk to this man he can't just talk to you the whole time um and then you just get used to it. So, but yeah, uh, it's fun. It's a fun challenge for both of us. I agree with what Shay's saying there as well. And Josh, also the un- unsung hero for me because he has to he edits all of my shows for me. So, thank you, Josh, for doing that. I much appreciate it, dude. You're when welcome. he goes next week, you owe him a huge, sloppy, <laughs> wet, deep kiss. I was really hoping you were going to say something else. I know. That's why I. <laughs> 
I like to uh, change expectations. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so it's it's gonna be a really fun show this week. Don't miss those interviews. If that if you're the sort of nerd that wants to learn more about those worlds, um, developers and composers, evoking the sublime and in the blood, our great podcast in the Sword Chomp family to check out and spread the word on. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it for now. I need I know uh, we don't we're not really talking any um, No Man's Sky this week, um, but Fish I know he's still been trying to play it as much as we can. Uh, he had this. Uh, what was your philosophy on uh, the Gek race in No Man's Sky again? Uh, AI Fish. First you get the nanites, then you get the Gek women. Okay, all right. Well, that's, I think that's a solid. It's a solid philosophy. Um, I can confirm that is true. You get the nanites, and then you get the the guac, the guac, the the guac women. You get the (laughs) guac. Yeah, yeah. I like the Scarface uh, accent. He does a good Scarface too. So we have Scarface, uh, Elmer Fudd, and Jar Jar Binks. So it's quite Uh a repertoire. But I mean, fish. We have a lot of things to get to today. I don't think we're gonna be able to talk too much more. No Man's Sky, was there anything else last minute you wanted to to, to get out there? Or? I see skies are blue. <laughs> I forgot about this. Covered in water. I think that's a mermaid shark nibbling at my spacesuit. And I think to myself. What a wonderful procedurally generated world. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, That's so, Louis Armstrong if he had a tracheotomy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we add Randy Newman to the... Uh, <laughs> God damn. It's the strangest... The strangest repertoire there. So, uh, anyways... Um, and I'm honestly... Uh, like, one of the things I'm hoping to do once um, all this is over... Like uh, the the rush with isn't it Randy Newman? Is that not his name? That was Randy Newman. No, who is it? Am that I fucking w- that up? That was Louis Armstrong. Oh, from that, okay. from that one. Oh, okay. That's what Shave's talking about. Okay, that's threw me off. I I mm. sorry. Okay, hey hey, you're right. I I don't I didn't know who that. I've heard that. I know the joke, but I didn't know who it actually was. Mm. So learn something every day. Um, but no, one thing I was telling Shay about when he gets his Xbox from us, Josh, I'm looking forward. I know we haven't played Sea of Thieves in forever, but like when things mm-hmm. quiet down in December, we're it'd like, be so fun to finally get Shay on. Yeah, we're like two expansions behind at this point, so there'll be tons, we'll get of, tons of new stuff for us to do once yeah. we can play with Shay. That's gonna be great. Should be all new, so. Yeah, well, I'm sur- I'm I'm excited. I know Fish is probably excited to to get back into Sea of Thieves as well. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I I don't know what it is that you see in Sea of Thieves. I mean, every time I see that game, I'm just like, oh wow, garbage. Oh, that that must be a a glitch because that was back when Fish thought Sea of <laughs> Sea of Thieves was garbage. Hmm. Seems like so long ago that that was. Um, before I caught him playing it by himself like a crack addict. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? You I was playing. This is so weird. This this episode is like this very very weird, like ethereal dichotomous episode because I feel like this is the most that fish has ever talked in an episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I also feel like we're having like a memorial for him at the same time, <laughs> playing all these sound bites. Like fish has since passed on. Oh man, 
Fish will. He he has. He's passed on to uh, to Montana, but he will return <laughs> once again. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's we'll have to we'll check on him maybe a little bit later. But uh, anyways, so topic of the show. It's gonna be a, a really good one. I think this was inspired by Shay. Sort of, he played this game called My Memory of Us at TGS, and I believe that was the inspiration for the topic of the show, which is. Um, are stories more affecting if they parallel real-world scenarios? Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, I will throw it to you first if you want to expand on why you were thinking about this, and I will let you kind of kick it off with your thoughts on the topic as well. Okay. Yeah, I... So, like Morgan said, I played My Memory of Us, and basically... It is kind of like this allegorical um, story about these two children who are trying to live in this world where World War II is happening. And it's, it's a really interesting world. And for me, I was kind of thinking about other games and what games have basically included, like, this kind of real world narrative into it. Like obviously you have your call of duties and your, your battlefield games. Like you have the first person shooters that are heavily centered around different wars in the modern and um, historical eras. But there, I mean, there are other games too that are largely, um, you know, largely based off of something that is a real world scenario. And I would even like attribute it to something like Hellblade, where you have this like fantastical world that's dealing with this like real life scenario of mental illness. And they're using mm-hmm. like this fantastical world to basically address this huge issue. I think that's like I think that's like the far end of the spectrum of this question. But um I'm talking more like a few months ago when I came back from Okinawa and I was talking about how Final Fantasy X, a lot of the locations were based off of Okinawan architecture and landscape. Um, And even it it took, it took um, a little bit from what was going on in Okinawan history and infused that into Final Fantasy X. Um, I didn't know that at the time, obviously, but learning about that kind of stuff when you play a game uh, you, you know, you learn like information about World War II or history of a culture. Uh, for me, it's more impactful in a way because it causes me or it stirs something up in me to go research and learn about, you know, basically what this game was about. And it fills me up with more information and it in turn invests me more into that story, making it more memorable at the end of the day. So. <laughs> You know, like, Final Fantasy X was already a great game. Learning about how it was so influenced by Okinawan architecture and uh, nature and even a little bit of its history, in turn, has made me appreciate the game even more and think about it more fondly. So that was kind of like the mm-hmm. the overarching uh, reason for this question is, for me, it's been more affecting I was wondering if for you guys or for our fans, if it was more affecting. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, 
Yes. I like I think um when they intend to use it for more than just set dressing, usually, like if they're, you know, trying like adding like actually adding something to to the meaning. Um instead of just kinda Oh look, here's this pretty thing I found. Um sort of use of you know, an actual real world world subject. Um which can end up making things feel shallow. Just shallow, like you know, l- l- let me let me use all the words that make you think I'm saying something important instead. Um Can but, you get can you think of an example off the top of your head of a shallow one that uh, doesn't all quite of do it for you? Fallout or all of I keep on I always say Fallout because Far Cry is just a dumb name. All of Far Cry five. And that I know. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I respect your opinion, and I want you to tell me. Go for it. Well, the entire... Let's let's talk about cults and, uh, you know, the wave of evangelical insanity running through America right now. But we can't say that. We'll never say that. And anytime they were ever asked about it, oh, no, no, we don't mean anything by all this stuff. It, and, and they ended up feeling really shallow because they wouldn't actually say anything about what they were supposedly saying. Um, which was just, yeah, it just, yeah. I agree with that. I don't know. It made me feel like if, well, if they're not taking it seriously, why would I take it seriously? Um, so. Yeah. I think it's tough because with something like Far Cry that's weird, um, which obviously was more of my example, is that they, there's parts of it that take it seriously and then parts of it that don't. And I think that mm-hmm. tone is not that tone is not going to work for everyone. And I understand that. Like when I played the first ten minutes of the game, I'm like, wow, this game's gonna take it very seriously. There's like a helicopter that gets taken down, it's like very dark. And then, you know, a couple hours later you might be cooking uh, bull testicles and running over you know, like it's just yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Like I yeah, yeah. tonally it's it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, I think, for some people lessen the impact of something that could be more serious. Um, whereas in my eyes, it's more of like a, a black comedy. But did, I actually didn't know this, Josh. They actually hired this guy named Rick Ross, who's like a cult expert. I, I found some article on, where was it? Uh, did you say Rick Ross? Yeah, he, uh, same name as the the Rick Ross. <laughs> Baby, in my Maybach. No, I, I think, um, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. But I was just going to say, it's. I, I wanted to give sight to the Vice article. That's where it was. But um. He, he did this thing where he was talking to people a lot about... He's like a cold expert, basically, so they were working with him to try and... From, from a scenario perspective, to try and make it as, fact, as factual or as interesting as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that does, still doesn't mean it has to land for everyone, but I just thought... I didn't know that, actually, until I started looking into it. Um, but I think tonally, if, if it's all over the place... Like, you look at it as very subject, serious subject matter, so if the tone is all over the place, it's probably going to be a little harder for you maybe to digest. Well, or, like, you, I don't know. It's, I don't... I felt like there were such obvious parallels to everything they were doing in the game that they were trying their hardest to not say anything about. And that's what was that was that was my issue with it. Was not so much that like I I don't know. Like I feel had they dropped all the Christian imagery in there so it's just some random cult or something else like that. So they're like 
because they'd never really said anything on that topic. It was, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I, the, I, I get what you're saying, Josh, um, about this because I feel like it's less about what the subject matter was and the fact that they made this game with the subject matter and then kind of retracted from it because they were worried about offending people, and that's that's kind of shitty to be honest with you because the point of this is you don't always have to say something with your art. I don't expect that. Um, if you don't want to say anything with your art and you just want art for art's sake, I support that. But what you're saying, Morgan, I, I, I somewhat agree with as well that basically they were at times trying to take themselves seriously. And if they're going to go down that path, why don't they just swerve into it instead of staying on the fence? Like I mentioned previously with something like Hellblade, that you know they set out to make a game about mental illness and they fully went into that they said this is what this game is about you know we're yeah. trying to create this game not only to give you a unique experience and perspective but to say something about mental illness and mental awareness and with far cry they had the opportunity to kind of talk about and it and exploit what is going on with these with these cults around the US and like kind of the racism that's going on. And when they took themselves seriously, it seemed like, yeah, they, they you know, they want to say something. But then they re- kind of would retract from that and say, no, 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 no. You know, this isn't this isn't exactly what we're going. No, for. it's all happy, fun, smile. Remember, happy, right, fun. right, right. Um, and for me, I just wish they wouldn't have sat on the fence as much. I wish they would have been like, this is just purely for fun don't take it seriously or they would have been like no this is what's going on in america we're making a statement you know it's going to be fun game it's going to have you know it's interesting aspects of it but this is a main proponent of the game there are problems with cults and racism going on and religious you know undertones and overtones going on within the u.s let's talk about it that would have been cool Instead of a like a fence sitting piece of art, but well, at I, the same time, like I said, I'll circle it back around. They don't have to say anything. I get that, but for me, it would have been a lot more affecting. I would have been a lot more invested in the game had they said this is what we're doing and stuck with. Well, I, I just think they probably got trapped in the uh, the conundrum of the fact that the gameplay is kind of like hijinks related. Like, for example, yeah. as serious as you take it, just watching, for example, Shay and Fish play the game, um, you know, they're doing all this insane stuff where they're like, you know, uh, accidentally lighting someone on fire or, or running. You know, this is going to sound morbid. I, so I feel like all the examples I'm going to give, but there was just like, it was just goofy hijinks. And I think that unfortunately the Far Cry gameplay lends itself to being kind of silly, you know, shooting shovels at people and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and that's always going to kind of be there, which is, is, is tough. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, like in, in their, in their other games, a lot of the silly hijinks kind of played into what they were kind of going for with the story. And I, I if the story I, was sillier, I guess. Yeah. Well, not not necessarily sillier, but like in a lot of the other ones, it's just more chaotic. Like you're doing all this chaotic chaotic stuff, and a lot of the other ones are set on you know like you know remote islands. Um, you know, you're basically by yourself with all these mercenaries around you and stuff. Um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of, it's good. 
the stories they were trying to tell had a whole lot more to do with chaos in the first place. Um, what, what about, um, well, there's a couple of things I want to say about that, but we, I know well, Shay of the Run is going to be right back. What, what about, this might be a good time for us to talk about Metal Gear, Josh, because I was thinking, okay. isn't Metal Gear kind of a parallel scenario thing? Because they're basically, like, Kojima will throw in all sorts of, like, real-life events that actually happen. He'll even use real footage in those games of, like, NASA launches and all sorts of government. Yeah, but and this is something that I feel like 95% of gamers have missed. It the whole thing was a parody to begin with. Like Snake is Snake Plissken from mm-hmm. the Escape movies, Escape from LA, Escape from New York, which were ridiculously cynical looks at Hollywood action movies and also a lot of the racist rhetoric that was getting thrown around in American politics at the time. Like, what what if all these horrible things that people are saying about all the gangs and the crime and New York is just a prison cell and all this, all this stuff. What if that were true and we make a big, dumb action movie about it? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And like, there's so much of that influence on the Kojima games. Um, and so it's, it is, it is, it's paralleling a lot of things going on in the real world, but it's. It's not it's not taking itself seriously and it's fairly obvious from the beginning, but I I don't know. I kind of well, feel like know, it, there are some moments where Metal Gear takes itself pretty goddamn well, it, serious. It gets more and more serious as it goes on is the, the big issue. Yes. The big issue. Yes. One is it's there's not much to take serious there. There really isn't. I don't know. The end of that game is pretty serious, but I do agree that they got more serious. As they... Well, I mean, she gives that big speech about life, and there's like that big epic fight where we're on the jeeps, you know, and they crash, and then there's, I think it's her or Naomi. Somebody's giving Snake this big ass speech about like existence and life and all that stuff, and the ninja's like sacrificing himself. Like, I feel like it got, like, I know it's kind of absurd uh, up until that, but I feel like it got pretty serious at the end there. Metal Gear Solid 2 was like, I don't know, because that's tough with some Japanese games by nature. They can just waft back and forth between like one second Raiden is running around grabbing his crotch naked and the next, and it's like this almost comedic weird thing where you're like, wow, this is fucking hilarious and also weird and the next second it's like hyper serious battle talking about life and loved ones. You know, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's but to you, it sounds like you've always looked at it as at least originally starting as more of a parody but it still was parodying real world scenarios right which is kind of interesting. yes yeah and i think that's kind of what's fun about it it's it's showing with everything with everything this crazy what how would characters react like the characters are what are so interesting in the metal gear games because a lot of times they're just ridiculously over the top characters yeah. but they all behave in ways you'd expect an actual person to behave and that's it, it's that's what kind of it, it, it helps ground the whole thing um, and then I, I think that's probably why MGS4 just was the complete dumpster fire that it was because they didn't even try that anymore they're just like oh let's just rip off um, I'm completely blanking on the name now um, anyway there's just an a- anime about 
I want to know what they rip off. <laughs> no, it's, oh, it's they ripped like, off an anime. The, uh, what, Is that what it's, yes, and I'm completely blanking on the name. But anyway, it's about young girls, like young orphan girls that they raise as hitmen. Oh, and I'm completely blanking on the name now. That's okay. But well, anyway, I, but it's, make... it's essentially the same thing. Like all the bad guys are that. Um, well, yeah, and even though I love Metal Gear Solid 4, we've argued about that many times before, I can see why you would not like it if you... Because wouldn't Metal Gear Solid 4 be the more, more, most serious by that rationale, right? Because if it was... Yes-ish. Like, it definitely takes itself the most seriously out of all of them, I think. Whether or not it, that... I don't know. I can't like that's that's what I can't tell. Like I can't. I have a hard time telling when Kojima is trying to be chung and tongue in cheek and when he's not. Um. And yeah, yeah. when when you can't well, tell, I, it makes for some really awkward moments. I think that's why maybe I'm a little more forgiving of games like that and Far Cry and even some movies like Kill Bill and stuff because like mm-hmm. I there's just some developers that will tonally shift between non-serious and very serious all like and i know i get i think that's a fair criticism if that just doesn't work for you um i guess that's probably why it's never like for example in kill bill one second she'll be like wiggle your big toe and then drive around in a vehicle called the pussy wagon and mm-hmm. then the next second she'll be in a very super serious 20 minute conversation with someone and there's a very dark murder scene like tarantino like if you ever seen um Django Unchained, that's a very dark, serious movie, but there's some scenes that are, like, pure comedy, like when the the, mm-hmm. the Ku Klux Klansmen are all, like, fighting about who cut the holes, and they're fucking, you know, like, f- things that jump around totally like that, I think I've always been more open to, um, which is interesting, because those are, like, things that often par- parallel real-world scenarios, but I don't know why I'm more open to that um, as a whole. I, I don't know, maybe it's just... Yeah, I don't know, like... I think there's a place for them, definitely. I've just... Generally, they've just not been my thing. And and that that's... I don't think there's... I don't, I don't know. Like... I think they're harder to pull off. I think... I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think they're mm-hmm. harder to pull off. The few times where I have enjoyed it, it's, it's, it's tough to stick that landing. Um, it really is. Yeah. So... I think that's what I, I and probably why Far Cry Five worked more for me is because when it did do a, a story section, it did take itself very seriously. But during the game, there was lots of side missions and things that were absurd. But anyways, this is not supposed to be just about Far Cry Five, but it did get me digging around into cults and stuff like that, um, which was interesting. Like I didn't know they did research on cults. I didn't know some of the cults that were nearby my area. I learned a lot about cults this week just doing a bunch of random research, uh, and cults freaked me out. Fun ones out there too. Oh, there are. There's. What was that one that my fiance was telling me she watched a documentary on? It's from like the 80s, mm-hmm. but they, they like poison this town's water supply and all yeah. sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, with salmonella. Yeah, cults are fucking creepy, man. Like, I, I guess the idea of, I guess it does work for me in in some ways because the ideas of a cult is very creepy. So the fact that they could lean on that was. You know, my biggest criticism with something like Far Cry was just the fact that there was, like, five character models. So, I'm like, this cult must have found a way to actually manufacture robots or something, because I fought the same bearded guy <laughs> right? about 8,000 times. <laughs> the same bearded guy running at me. Ugh! But, um, 
That's just more of a video game thing. Video games. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Uh, but yeah, so like I like it whenever they do. I'm trying to think of another example. We talked about Metal Gear. We talked about Far Cry is a very recent one. He was talking about the memory of us. What are some any other good examples you guys can think of? Um, like, like I mean, there's a variety. I mean, obviously, like the original Call of Duties were just World War II games. Um, there were so many World War II shooters at at a, at a you know for a while there, like. So, do we want to talk about like direct well, historical things well, or more that, like just using uh, the setting or scenario? See, that's tricky because Call of Duty or World War has been done so much that I'm actually numb to it. I think I think it does nothing for me anymore. But not necessarily because it's war; it's because I've played and seen a billion things. So maybe that's a numbness, or do you guys think that's because it's too historical and well, it's not? You can hear the si- <sighs> like Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein is a parallel, you know, an alternate history mm-hmm. where Nazis took over yeah yeah like that's more interesting to me than just seeing world war ii one more time but again that's another one that has some issues with the tone shifts because it's so ridiculous and silly and over the top and it's really really just fun and dumb and then occasionally it'll just start getting really really serious and yeah but those are the bits that i just don't like as much i don't feel like they land as, as hard but anyway, um, like basically anytime you have to make a life or death decision in Wolfenstein, it feels kind of ridiculous to me. Like it's A, it's a shooter. I've died 40 times playing through here just to get to this point. I don't feel like death is, you know, all that big of a deal in this universe since apparently I can come back from it, you know, by waiting yeah. 15 seconds. Um, yeah, because the, it's less effect. The serious stuff is less affecting because the the ridiculous moments have sort of softened the weight of everything. It, it, um, yes, yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you don't need every blow to land like a fucking truck. But, I don't know. Um, it, well, it makes sense for some people... If there's a moment of, let's say, goofiness and the next second something serious, your brain's going to have a hard time, I think, parsing those two. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even, even though, I'm a, even though I'm the biggest Far Cry 5 supporter here, I wouldn't say that that game is affecting me in that way. It's just interesting. I find it yeah. interesting. I wouldn't say it's, like, emotionally affecting or anything like that because one second, like I said, I was, you know, chopping off bull testicles and then this... And like, wow, I'm like, this guy's giving me, it's interesting more Mm -hmm. than it is emotionally affecting. So same with Wolfenstein. I think it's fascinating more than it is like evoking any sort of strong emotional reaction, maybe Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. No, no, I I, I get that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like I said, I just, I tend to like things that are one or the other. Yeah. More. To commit to the, uh, whatever they're going for. Mm Mm-hmm. Like for, for example. Um. All right, I've, I've two examples, and they're kind of real world ish. Uh, Never alone. I, I think you played that, Shay. So we can talk about that a bit. Um, the one, basically, the it it's a side scroller about Inuit mythology, and you're basically. Oh yeah, playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. That is a perfect example. And and basically, the entire game is. If this mythology were real and this this kid is dealing with, you know, this blizzard and trying to save her village and all this stuff, 
and going through that. And as you go through, like you'll unlock different videos of, you know, the tribe elders explaining the mythology that you're going through. And the whole game is just explaining this culture that is not the most common. It's, it's not something you're just going to yeah. kind of happen to come across. And I felt like that was really affecting just even, even though it had some gameplay issues, like what they were able to get across with that, you know, just focus was just a whole lot more memorable and more engrossing uh, than my second example, Valiant Hearts, which was about World War One and following through like three different characters through World War One. And also does a similar thing. Like you'll see different locations, and as you go I through, I remember you'll, that. You'll, Wasn't that like an RPG? Like a it, it was like a side RPG kind of thing. No, it was like a side-scrolling adventure game type of a thing. Valiant Hearts was okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of something yeah. else. Yeah, you're thinking of Valkyrie Chronicles. Fuck, not Chronicles. Well, you're- but, You're describing this game that it sounded really familiar. It was like World War One based, but it was like well, almost like a Japanese RPG. No, no, there is one. It's that's Valkyrie something, and I know it's not Chronicles. That's something else. But anyway, yeah, that's a different thing. There's like five or six of them now. But um, um, but anyway, Valiant Hearts was you know based off of World War One, just this kind of wild romp of an adventure game. And mm-hmm. then you get near the end, and the Kaiser is coming to get you. And he's not just the Kaiser from history. He's like this ridiculous, mustache-twirling bad guy who kicks dogs and steals your girlfriend. It's, it's, and it's so fucking ridiculous. Like, he's chasing you down in a Zeppelin. And, like, it goes so completely... Off the rails. Off, <laughs> off, off of like out of reality and into just this ridiculousness that once it got there, like I couldn't like I, what it was telling me about the story, which I'm just, I'm not as big of a buff on world war one. There's a lot of cool stuff to go on there. And like, as I was going through the early parts of the game, like it's giving you these like kind of info dumps about, you know, the different things you're seeing and stuff, just like never alone was. Yeah. But I don't remember a lot about that game because the wild tonal shifts throughout just kind of it took away from what they were doing instead of adding to it. I think one thing we're learning a lot about in this conversation, because if there's anything I try to do whenever we have these talks is to sort of dig something out of it is that every example we've given a tonal shift has come up in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And it seems like maybe the answer to the question about the real world scenarios being more affecting is if they have a consistent tone. Yeah. Because it seems like when there's a tonal shift, you guys generally feel less affected by it. Would you think that was a fair semi-blanket statement to make? I think it's fair enough. Obviously, there's some (laughs) caveats here and there, but... Yeah, yeah. 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 So, that's interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I was was just thinking about... uh like two more examples like you guys had mentioned fallout earlier and i think that's a huge um i think that's a huge example because i think you know it's it's constantly on the mind of a lot of people 
uh, or at least it's not constantly, but it sometimes is on the mind of people of what would happen if we went into nuclear war with other countries mm-hmm. like North Korea or Russia or, you know, uh, China. And basically, you know, we were faced with a post-apocalyptic world. What would happen then? Like how, how would, how would life look subsequently? How would people survive? What would we do? And I think that's kind of the allure and the appeal of Fallout is, you know, just figuring out how you would circumnavigate like any troublesome issues that would come in a world, come up in a world based with, you know, post-apocalyptia. I, I think that's huge. And especially when they pair it, um, when Bethesda and Obsidian have paired it with different locations. I think that makes it even more affecting. I know one of my friends here in Japan, um, he's super excited for Fallout 76 because it's going to be taking place mm-hmm. where he actually used to go to college. So he's mm-hmm. he's told me, he's like, the first thing I'm going to do when I get to this game <laughs> is I'm going to go find my college, I'm going to go find my own dorm room, and I'm going to set up my fort in my dorm room. And I was like, well, all right. And I mean, that's that's primarily based on location, but I think it's also, you know, kind of founded in the fact that it's, it's a concern in the real world of if this happens, what will happen subsequent. So I I think that's a big allure there. That's the tricky part. I think of this conversation too. I know because we brought up the final fantasy thing earlier and we talked about game locations, I think like a couple months ago or a month ago. Um, it's tricky, like as a scenario as opposed to just like as some scenarios are very broad, like end of the world apocalypse is technically a scenario. It's just a very broad scenario. You know what I mean? As opposed to it was harder for me to find more specific scenarios. I think the cult in Far Cry. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's terribly broad. I mean, there are multiple ways the world could end potentially. And I think that many different. Uh, art forms have kind of explored how the end of the world would work. You look at something like Children of Men, where people mm-hmm. like people have all become sterile. Or you look at a movie like The Day After Tomorrow, whether or not you like that movie or not. It's about basically Mother Mother Earth revolting against uh, humans and creating these cataclysmic storms in an effort to reclaim nature. Um, or you look at something like uh, climate change. You know, I mean, there are multiple, multiple ways that end of the world scenarios play out. It just happens to be that post-apocalyptia is nuclear war, and the fine, the finer details can be even more specific. But I think that nuclear fallout is specific enough in this scenario because there hmm. are many, yeah. many ways well, the world could end. Yeah, well, that, and especially with the Fallout series, you know, nuclear Fallout leaving everyone stuck around for this long, that, you know, war happened during the 50s, and so, like, society got, you know, stunted at that point. Um, And I'm going to go, going back to the tonal thing, not not entirely, but in, in Fallout, generally the world feels consistent there like you'll you'll encounter different characters and factions that are doing some ridiculous stuff but mm-hmm. it 
it generally feels like it could all happen in the same world. And so you don't get these wild shifts like all of a sudden you feel like you're playing a different game. Um, yeah, that's true. Or you could even go so micro, if that's macro scenario, you could go so micro, like what about a scenario where you're trapped in a creepy Louisiana mansion like Resident Evil 7? No, I'm just <laughs> like it's scenarios, it's a tricky thing, but um, I was trying to find a good middle ground there, I guess. And it was hard. It was hard to think of a lot of very specific scenario examples that have inspired games because games usually go on a broader scale um mm-hmm. because about, they're trying to what about what a, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you. no you're fine what you're fine the that was assassin's done. creed series <sighs> i think that's a i think that's a good middle ground because they you, they, kind, yeah. they kind of pinpoint sorry, a specific era in time and then they they kind of explore that era of time in very specific ways and very general ways. You know? Yeah, I guess they do touch on scenarios from history. That, one of the things that I think helps that series the most, and I've kind of fallen out with it in, you know, the last several games, although I haven't played the new one, and I hear it's better than they had been doing for a while, so I might try it out at some point. But, anyway, um, they they use the whole you know future tech letting you revisit past you know ancestors memories and stuff as as a framing device in a way that allows you to basically do whatever you want to with it and it feel consistent um like they can impose weird rules on you this time because of the simulation and stuff like that, that it, it kind of gives them leeway in order to change things up, which I think is a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so they don't have to be completely, you know, oh, this isn't historically accurate. It, it, it would have been this way um, type stuff. It, it, yeah, anyway. And sometimes that's a selling point for them, like when they did the uh, Syndicate DLC for Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Real life scenario. I was like, I was interested in that. I was like, I didn't play that game, but that sounds interesting. I just, you know, felt like I. My understanding was that you had to have bit progressed in that game enough to get there. I think, uh, so it like kind of turned me off. But that's a very like they do. Yeah, Assassin's Creed does tackles, especially in their DLC. Wasn't there like a George Washington DLC for the Assassin's uh, Creed Three? Yeah, there, yeah. there was. Yeah, there was. And if you actually remember in two, uh, Ezio ends up meeting and running around with uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was two or Brotherhood or both of them, but uh, yeah, he definitely... I think both of them, but definitely in two. Yeah. It's been so long now, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, that's it, a, it has that's been a very, forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a very specific example, but yeah, it's well, in this, like, general world as well. Yeah, and that, yeah. I feel like that one was more framing their entire universe more so than they've done since then. Because, you know, again, this was, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, but like all the stupid fucking Dan Brown conspiracy theories are true in this world. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, which makes for a fun enough sort of a game to have that, you know, sort of sort of a world. Uh, Yeah. 
Well, and I think, yeah, I think that's what we're learning about us. And we can go to some Instagram comments. You guys are more uh, tone. It sounds like is more important. You guys generally, and maybe I'm more lax on that um, because my brain is broken. Also because, <laughs> also because I don't want them to take Montana too seriously and far cry. Cause I live there. And I don't want to be afraid of where I live. You <laughs> I don't know, want to be that's afraid of fair. <laughs> I don't want to think those kind of crazy cults. There was actually this one that um, I was reading about. This guy who like stood out at this, it was like a wildlife preserve. I'll read about it in a little bit if you guys want, but it was like a real story that was loosely inspired it. Shay's probably heard of it before, maybe. Anyways, um, and maybe not. Who knows? Some of the, so some of the great comments people left every uh, Thursday, we'll post a topic for the show, question of the week. And if you chime in, we might read your comment on the show. Got some good comments to read this week uh, to kind of talk about. First up, VIP Epidemic said, hopefully my grammar is better this time, but I don't think he was... <laughs> oh, you had to give him shit, huh? I think, I think and I show. hope he knows I was fucking with him. <laughs> God damn it. Now I feel like a dick. I was just kidding. Yeah. Our I'm paying sorry, Epidemic. I love you. Thank you, you. Shay, for I'm making so fun sorry. of <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't think it necessarily is more of an effect when playing a game. In certain scenarios, that parallel can draw you into the world that game is trying to entrench you in, but it doesn't always work. I think a good story and a great gameplay mechanic has a greater effect. Maybe not the best example to my point, but Wolfenstein, not the New Order, had a very interesting alternate history where they posted the question of what the world would be like if the Nazis won. Um, Amazon has a great show based on that called The Man in High Castle. So, um, DR answer would be no, Morgan. I don't know what that means. No. Anyway. Uh, the last part, then, yeah. Too long, didn't read. Oh. <laughs> You'd think those would be your favorite four letters. Uh, no, my favorite four <laughs> letters are... Tits, legs, dicks, and I don't know what R. <laughs> uh, Axel Santana98 said, The narrative, yes, kind of. Gameplay, never. So, interesting. Very strong, never there. Um, That's actually a really good point because, hmm. like, you look at something like Fallout New Vegas in the survival mode, you have to consistently drink water and eat food and sleep to survive, and that can be laborious and annoying. That's something we didn't even touch on. It's a really but good is point. It a, but is it affecting? It might be laborious, but is it affecting? Well, no, that's what it I'm can saying. Be. Like, we didn't even touch because on that. they've yeah. had like a few games. Oh, what was it? There was one of the shooters a while back was, was like. Like an basically, you're stuck on iron mode. Um. Anyway. Um. I, I think there's iron mode. Iron Man. Mode? Iron? Like you oh, have to oh, okay. have to go through in a, in a life. Um. Live the life. I don't know. Like that can be done well. Like Battlefield kind of did that, but in a way that was forgiving. Like there's ways to do it, but you ha- you have to think about how to simulate that in a way that's not going to suck or or if it's supposed to suck it's it, it's it's still something that's worth going through yeah um, just it might not be enjoyable but sometimes affecting isn't enjoyable mm-hmm. like i didn't enjoy hellblade but it was affecting while i was playing it because it was supposed to be miserable and dark and crazy and make you feel paranoid that's affecting right mm-hmm. but uh, anyways, J, um, JSZ Yarto said, I would say absolutely 
If I can relate to a story, it always has a bigger impact on me personally. VIP, J.S.C. Arto, I should say. But then again, I love the stupid and absurd like Katamari, and I realized I've been humming the main song from that all day. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm broken too, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably more forgiving of that because it's a video game. Headquarters said, no, not necessarily an original story without any real influence can become far more compelling if it's written well. Strong character development can help with that. Then again, I suppose it's a matter of preference. I, and that's tough because like the acting and the performances in something like Far Cry were incredibly well done. But again, the gameplay is still fucking ridiculous. And that's probably going to throw people off because uh, or like in your cases, even if it's well done, but they're not saying anything about the subject matter it will lessen its effect for you but for headquarters you said no not necessarily yeah uh but then again he hit on it it's a matter of preference but that's kind of what we're getting to with all these they're all a matter of preference everything we talk about is a matter of preference but i the tonal thing we were strictly i mean if you're going to do something they should do it well i mean that's unless your preference is bad and you just like shit so well yeah there are those two brazilian girls <laughs> that do like <laughs> uh, see that's our second poop joke of the podcast <laughs> we're on an all-time record for poop jokes uh bat zach underscore bat sack vip said i think the most effective storytelling comes from the personal connection that one finds in the game the new god of war affected me a great deal being a newer dad and seeing kratos basically learn how to become different for his son now that's like this uh a scenario of just fatherhood sort of a a broader scenario but still very affecting um a lot of people probably felt that way with like the last of us which that scenario is the end of the world because of uh, a virus and also fatherhood as well to a degree losing a child and then sort of be like an adoption kind of there's a lot of themes there Mm -hmm. that's something we and my fiance struggle with a lot which is very personal i don't have to get into it right now but one of the biggest things we struggle with is a blended family is how each person responds to a a child that's not theirs even if they love the hell out of them and they're a great parent it's just there's something different about a child that is not your blood and especially for a mother and that's what she always tells me that's hard to explain uh and like in the last of us for example you know spoilers it's an old game but his his daughter dies in the beginning but he has to take care of that other girl and she becomes like a daughter to him um in a powerful way so anyways a lot of perils mm-hmm. random tangent um i had to read this because uh shit ain't real is a good friend of mine but he said shit ain't real said uh far cry 5 made me sour on video games <laughs> i was like no no you don't mean it um we still love you though uh, sick underscore Nartini said, I personally love real life nonfiction struggles because they can be extremely compelling because it's real life and it's happened. My favorite kind though is magical realism. The stalker mm. and the Metro games do this very well, where yes, the Chern- Chernobyl plant is an actual disaster zone and is a very real threat. But then people said, what if we add anomalies that alter space and time and add a whole new dynamic to this human story, resulting in the creation of mutants and warring insurgent factions with their own agenda? Metro does the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that series, but that's a good Yeah, good I've comment. heard a couple of them. Um... Yeah, yeah, that's, um, trying to think of another game to kind of bring up that you would have played, uh, just kind of doing a similar thing, um, 
While you think about that, he said, he also said the book A Roadside Picnic and the movie Stalker are all really good and should be required reading in school. Both have influenced the game series. Has have either of you read a roadside picnic, a roadside picnic, or Stalker? I've never even no. heard of it. Um, let's see. Last two. G Mangno, nineteen eighty five, said it all depends on how accurate it is, or at least tries to be, which we kind of touched on earlier with tone. One example is one of the Mercenaries games, which featured my city of Maracaibo. Um, and my hometown from Venezuela. However, it was so fake and inaccurate, it was portrayed as a city in a jungle when it's a normal city with no forest that I couldn't play it for more than an hour. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about how an American would make that, or anybody who's really not invested in the actual place and just the idea that it... Yeah, that... Unfortunately, I can completely believe that. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the things I liked about Far Cry is that they didn't try to replicate anything specific in Montana because it would have probably been interesting but been like kind of annoying. Um, instead, of they just said it's based in Montana, but it's all fictional. That's kind of a safer way to do it because then you can't have anybody riding your ass that it's not accurate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Spider-Man kind of did this well enough. Like, it's New York. It's obviously New York, but it's also like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, New York, like with the Avengers Tower and stuff there. And once yeah. once you go swinging by the Avengers Tower, you realize, oh, I, I don't really have to look to make sure everything else is in the right spot. Like, it's... Obviously, it's not. Yes. Like, yeah. there's a... I, you know, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those cities are spoiled. Like, people that play Grand Theft Auto, and they're like, I live in... New-. People that live in New York and Los Angeles, I'm gonna be honest with you, those the gamers are fucking spoiled. They're like, oh, it's so cool to drive around and see my city. I was talking to one of our good friends, Akuna Matata, when Grand Theft Auto V came out. And he was telling me how he was like, you could see it was a very accurate representation, for the most part, hmm. of uh, California. And it's just like, we, you know, I live in a place that would never get that. So I was like, fine, you guys get all these games based around you in your big cities. <laughs> Bitter. Oh and, oh, and lo and behold, that's where a lot of these big gaming companies are located. Oh, wonder why the review scores are inflated for those games. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> oh, Watch Dogs looks just like San Francisco. Oh, uh, I'm just Aww. kidding. I'm just, I'm just fucking around. The last one, Tysonsaurus2814 said, I enjoy history and old stories or mythology, so I very much like games that intertwine their story with real-world events. Um, or take heavy inspiration from them. And it can add a second layer to the story in a sense where I look into the story it was inspired by, which is what we were talking about earlier, where you want to learn more about it. And I learn new cool things, and I feel like I'm still enjoying the game after I'm done. Yeah, like if it sticks with him because he wants to learn more about, uh, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to go learn about the cult in Far Cry or uh, whatever examples we were talking about. Mythology. Mythology, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's funny because it's based I, I off thought, of... I always thought mythology was a smart choice of being put into a video game because there's so much there. I mean, like, cultures and civilizations are based off of mythology. And you, you think about it, um, whatever your feelings are on this, I'm not trying to offend anyone. Christian Christianity, I think, is in a way its own form of mythology. And civilizations have risen and fallen because of Christianity. Same with the Roman and Greek empires. You look at many different mythologies and they just, they center around civilization. So of course 
I think it's a I think it's a brilliant subject to touch on and if you can explore that in both the fantastical and the literal realistic way, I think you mm-hmm. should in an art form. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of shy away from Christian ones because they don't want to offend anyone. And uh and I hate Well, that. I mean, I hate that because you, well, well, Far Cry did, but Far did Cry get, didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't say Christian, but it's a Christian no, they cross. Didn't. And they didn't it's do a, anything uh, with it. That was literally what we were just talking about. They put it there and yeah. then said, don't pay attention to this. Don't look. There's no connection here. Exactly. No. Well, no, the cultists exactly. were inspired by their religion. So, I mean, that was, they, it was very obvious what they were, we're trying we're, to... Come we're on, you know what they were trying... <laughs> we're okay. not detracting from that. We're just saying that basically, yes, they, they did make an attempt to to talk about that stuff but then they retracted by saying oh no no no, we're not serious we don't want to offend anyone they did like they wanted to touch upon it but then when they realized oh it's gonna hurt our sales we <laughs> gotta back off and you say, think they retracted you think that they actually retracted i i do yeah. hmm. i don't know if they did or not like given some of the stuff they tried to tackle with their previous games it seems like something they would try to tackle here because they, you know, with mixed success, have tried to hit on some fairly rough subjects before. It doesn't seem like something they'd shy away from until, like I said, like, jokingly, whenever the game was just coming out, like, well, this I, is I mean, literally the, the, the only people who are going to buy their game in the States, so we can't offend them. Well, the imagery was going to evoke that, but I think it was just supposed to represent a religion. That's all. I don't think it was supposed to specifically yeah. be Christianity, but that was the most common um, imagery you could use to evoke something out of someone. You know what I mean? Mainstream-wise. Yeah. It's, it's the most common, I would assume Christianity is the most common religion in, in the world, or at least America. So I, I don't. I think I you'd be want... wrong in assuming that, but I'm not sure. I'm not I don't sure. know. Yeah, I could be wrong. Just, it could be that or uh, Islam. Islam. I think that one's no. Pretty I, I think well. it's still edged out, but not by much. They're about the same currently, I, as far as right. I know. Yeah, and Islam. Islam already matter. does have its own good variety of games. Um, you know, basically any of the uh, educational math games. Um, <laughs> like they've got the entire Math Blaster series. No. Would you, but would you guys consider myth- this is the last thing I'll say would you guys consider I, yeah. mythology like a real world scenario though because mythology is obviously it's a mythology I don't really consider that a real world scenario well it's, it's founded in history it's founded in culture it's founded in society uh, is it a real world scenario is it a current real world scenario no but is it a real world scenario I absolutely think so I don't think it's just based off of like Hercules fighting, or, you know, let's do Kratos. I don't think it's necessarily Kratos fighting giant Greek and Roman gods and Norse gods. That's not what I just think when I think mythology. Because mythology is not just that. It's not just the fantastical. It's also the realistic. Um, if, you, if you want to use a, an example, let's take a look at Fallout 4 with the Children of the Atom, um, where basically they worship the atom bomb. Like they worship, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the radiation, they worship the radiation and like, they're these fanatic people and 
you know, you as as the player kind of decide, are these guys absolutely crazy or do I just, you know, go along with it or do I actually support this fanatic cult? And you see different people in their interactions with this cult throughout the world. There are some people who are like, these guys are fucking crazy. Stay away from them. They're going to kill you. There are some people that are like, eh, they're not hurting me. As long as they leave me alone, I don't care what they do. And then there's some people who are almost sympathetic to them. And I feel like that is a like a parallel parallelism to real world scenarios. You have people who are yeah. um let's not say Christian, people who are religious. And there are some people that are like, don't shove your religion down my throat and we're good. There are some people that are like, eh, they don't hurt me, they don't do any harm to me. And then there are those same people who are like, you know, it would be nice to believe there's a life after death type of scenario so they're more sympathetic or they're more understanding yeah. so i think that mythology doesn't have to just be the fantastic and that was that was kind of the point of it. that's fair i was just curious about how you guys interpreted that that's one thing yeah. when you were say, saying that made me think of like um one of the things that i think just for me that almost far cry 5 was more about was sort of like uh like the charles manson style um you know like those very charismatic people mm-hmm. throughout history that have sort of led like when i think about the game i think of it more being about something like that um it's loosely based on other things but really was all f- centered around someone who was using religion and drugs to to control a bunch of people and it started like i always fascinated yeah. by reading about people in history that have actually done that people that have been able to be that charismatic to have these followings mm-hmm. um Interesting. That's very interesting to me because that's that's a weird, a weird. I wish I had something more profound to say about that, other than it's interesting. But I don't. So <laughs> I just I don't. Uh, I couldn't think. Was there any? Can you guys think of any other big ones besides what you know, like a Charles Manson style? Uh, not necessarily. No. Well, what about like Ellie Noir? Kind of has that detective scenario. I mean, that's not Charles Manson, but it's about as close as you get to, you know, dealing with serial killers and stuff. And yeah, because some serial killers do inspire other serial killers. Like, that's what yeah. that Mindhunter and Mindhunter, he was, the detective was right. really inspired by. And I was also thinking Heavy Rain as well, which is one we didn't even talk about. I think those are real world scenarios of like your child getting kidnapped and Oh, yeah, those are the bad ones, yeah. Uh, but I mean, even then those are like, serial killers are still not inspiring a massive group of people to Extremists, that's a good example. Extremists in other countries, without being too specific about religions and things like that. Like, it's an extremist cult, right? Like, the, uh, they're an example <laughs> of an extremist cult. Uh, what, what are you laughing about? What are you laughing about? I'm, I'm laughing at the in other countries bit. Sure. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> right. um, sure. There are no extremists in the U.S. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm just, come on, yeah. I'm just defending the USA, all right? It's in my blood. <laughs> I can't help it. Okay. Uh, ex- extre- yes, extremists. Oh, never mind. No, it's, it's, it's oh. true. There, there are extremists everywhere. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with that. It's just sort of true. instinctual. Except Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe there's some penguin extremists down there. You don't know. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They you seem know, to be actually, pretty so lockstep. Oh, good. Wearing a uniform and everything. I yeah. Hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, there the was story, penguins in uh, Batman. <laughs> in, in Batman Returns, there was these little penguins with rockets on them, and they were doing bad things for the mm, penguin. Yeah, remember that? 
<laughs> sliding around. It's possible. Did you see those asshole penguins and happy feet? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh dear God. A happy feet. I hadn't thought about that movie in forever. I haven't seen that either in a long uh, time. Remember either. all the concerned parents yeah. about it being a gay allegory? Oh no. <laughs> I do indeed. <laughs> do indeed. I got news for you. Your uh, kids are already fucking whacking off to anyways. Um so interesting talk. Mm. Um there's one thing I actually wanted to say about it. Oh, go for because, it. Because uh, one of these comments kind of inspired it, and it was a little off topic. You know what would have been really cool to see? Um, I don't mean to keep bringing up Telltale, but it would have been cool if Telltale did a series with Lord of the Flies in their style, like an mm. interactive. That would be interesting. With Lord of the Flies. Because I don't, I don't think you can make it. I don't it know like how you'd make that into a game, game without it getting. Yeah. Hmm. That would be neat. I'm afraid something in that genre would just turn very Battle Royale pretty fast, just because Vidya games. But that would be yeah. really cool. Oh, we forgot a huge one. Pokemon's based on cockfighting. That's a real-world scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, serious. I've never um, played that game. Yeah, of course not. Cockfighting? It's a terrible game. Stay away from it. Okay. Uh, um, hey, fish. I just want to check up on you over there, AI fish. See how you're holding up. I know it's been a while. Make sure you're not. Are you hungry or anything? How you doing? I got so much cummies in my tummies. <laughs> so yummy. So yummy. <laughs> All right. Sounds like he's good. I don't think All he right. needs a break. Um. Uh, got himself so. a snack. <laughs> He's got himself a snack. Um, a couple of polls to run down. I did less polls this week, so I realized last week I just did too many, and they were almost too serious. Like, we did a, a poll about... Um, it's basically like it could have been a topic of the show unto itself, so I tried to drift away from that stuff, and I wanted the polls to be more about fun things or life things as opposed to serious topics of the show because <laughs> we went on and on last week, which is fine, but it's uh, that wasn't the design uh, carried away. Um, Anyways, good polls this week. First up and foremost, I don't know if you guys have had... Uh, we talked about Assassin's Creed a little bit uh, because of our passing interest with it in the past. Um, but uh, n- none of us have played the new Assassin's Creed, right? And I did a poll because I had been doing a lot of research on it, listening to people talk about it, yada yada. I haven't played it myself. And I was fascinated because... One of the most interesting critiques I've heard about the game is that it has the most filler of any game that's ever been created since the dawn of time, which is sort of like the expansion of the Ubisoft model, which is we build a world and then give you 8,000 side quests to do, and most of them are just meaningless fetch quests, right? So much so that I was listening to one of my favorite people, Austin Walker, talk on the Beastcast, and he was saying that he spent three hours doing, looking for a, a random side quest to do, and he hadn't unlocked that point in the story yet, but the game didn't tell him that. So he spent three hours trying to do a quest that he couldn't actually do yet. Um, that... Who brutal. let that That's get brutal. through testing? How? Did, how, it, how? brutal brutal well because a lot of gamers will get sidetracked too you give them a side quest and that's what they want to go do first because it's like Mm -hmm. ocd so um and then of course uh the 
a lot of the quests, he was hoping for like a little more story to them. And it was just ch track this person down and kill them. Anyways, these are people that I trust saying that the game itself in there is fine. It just could have used a lot of trimming of fat. And mm. it's sort of the expansion of the Ubisoft model. So that was the first thing I... And I want to get you guys' thoughts on that, but... Well, <laughs> they, ha they have to give you something to do for eight months until the next one comes out. Yeah, it's it feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh... Do you guys feel a little offended sometimes when you play a game and you're like, you start doing the side quests and you can just tell it's busy work? Don't you feel mm. a little bit offended? Like, I get a little bit irritated. I'm like... Yeah, I'm not gonna I do. Yeah, I feel like I graduated college already. I don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, why is there homework in this game? Yes, it feels like work. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little insidious too, because some gamers will just do everything they see on a map because it's like they can't help it. It's like OCD. Some people cannot. That's progress. exactly how I am. That's exactly how I am, and it frustrates me when <laughs> games do that. It's, that they they awful. throw. I mean, that was my issue with Fallout 4 the first time I played it. It was like I felt the need, the, I felt compelled to finish all these missions and come to find out there are never-ending missions in there. So mm -hmm. I burnt myself out of that game and I got really frustrated. And I, I hate when other games do that. Like they, <laughs> so they I'll get back to the main story extend... as soon as I get to the end of this treadmill. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, pretty much. And I just, I don't like when companies try and extend the life of their games by adding missions that have no point. And sure, that may be for some of the hardcore fans, I get it. But for me, that was kind of part of the pleasure of doing achievements and trophies in video games, was it adds more to the game if you want more. It's not just, it's not just because, like, it's a bragging right. It's for me, a large part of, you know, what trophy hunting and achievement hunting was extending the life of a game that I love. And I don't understand why, you know, games now don't operate under that model, including this game. Like, that should be enough. Trophy hunting can be very difficult in a lot of games. That does extend mm -hmm. the life. Why put in pointless missions? What's the purpose there? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I My theory is that it's just a way to keep people playing their game longer, like you said, forever. Um, and there's an insidious nature to taking advantage of people, that part of their brain. I guarantee there's people in their marketing departments or their psychology departments or whatever that are telling them that, yeah, hey, just this, trying to keep this person, involved. Yeah. Because you yeah. know how it feels when you clear out an area. Like Shay was saying, he has to clear out an area before he can move on generally. It's like OCD. I don't have that OCD, but I still get irritated when I move on. I still feel incomplete. I feel almost a little dirty. I'm like, because there's all these icons open on my map. And I'm just like, well, fuck. I know that half of them are pointless, but I don't like <laughs> the feeling. It yeah. leaves me feeling dirty. You know? Yeah, and especially with Ubisoft, I, I don't really trust them to, to not do that. Because as much as I love Black Flag, and I, we've talked about that before. Even with that one, they they added in like fleet missions, which are essentially just you know Farmville, but in this game, like they're on an actual oh, real world uh, timer, and you have to show back up for them and stuff like that. Like let's keep people coming back to the game every four hours. Type God stuff. Um, yeah, like if it's if it's if yeah, I just there's something insidious about that that rubs me the wrong way. Anyways, it seems like this game is a pretty big offender. But as far as our audience goes, forty four percent of them said yes, too much filler. 
56% of them said, no, I love it all. So there's still a faithful fan. And I think that those kind of numbers are what Ubisoft would see and be like, yeah, we still got 56% of them saying they love doing all this stuff, you know? Anyways. Interesting. Um, God, did I say insidious again? <laughs> You've never Insid- not said insidious. Insidious? Mm-hmm. Insid- <sighs> God damn it. I just, it's that movie. It fucked me up. I blame that movie. What movie? The one that's not spelled wrong? <laughs> no, yeah, I know, but I just, I used to say insidious when I would talk about it. Um, and I know it's insidious. What does insidious mean? Is that a real word? Mm-hmm. Okay. I need, what does insidious it's mean? A- <laughs> You've been using it. Is that even a real word? Good. What? Uh, well, well no, no, I know. This story is taking a turn. What? I know that I know that insidious is the word I want to say, but I tend no, to say not. insidious. No, it's, it's not. Insidious. Insidious. So insidious is insidious not a word is at word all. Word. So I want to say insidious. Yes. Yes. And you haven't so been. Saying, so I've been saying insidious? Yes. Oh my god. I just See, that's the problem. I mean I'm saying a word that I'm not hearing myself say. Mm. That is the problem. I don't know what, what sort of pill can fix that, but uh, I'll talk to my doctor on one. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I retract my previous statement about graduating college and not needing extra homework. Morgan, you need all the homework you can get at this point. Oh, you should I start a, with a grammar game. I did a lot of homework last night. Doing some side quests. In far- well, you thought I was going to say something dirty, didn't you, Josh? You thought I was going to say There's something no dirty. There's no good answer. I, I thought so, too, and I was about that's to reason out. Shay. That's the only reason Shay did so much homework in school is because he could invite a girl over to do homework with him, and then he her homework turned into something else. Bow, chicka, bow, chicka, bow, wow, you know what I'm saying? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Confirmed. I was right. Um... I also asked people if they picked Cassandra or the lame dude, because uh, that's the options you get. Cassandra or the lame dude with the long black hair. 73% of them said they picked Cassandra. So, great job. Um, There are two characters you can pick in the new Assassin's Creed. I have seen them both, and the male character is very generic. The female character is very interesting. Personality-wise, great voice acting. Um, Hmm. I'm trying to do a public service announcement. That's why I asked it. I'm trying yeah, to help no, people. No. With the... People need to know. People need to know. Otherwise, you're going to end up with, you know, another Jitter Shepherd situation on our hands. Mm-hmm. Shay? <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what's funny is um, when, you, when I saw that poll, when you put it up, I was like, oh, you're going to just rip on the fucking other character, huh? So I'm going to vote for him. So I voted for <laughs> dumb guy. And you know what? If I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'd take it a step further. I'd play as the dumb guy, just the spike. No! Well, you're only the one losing in that scenario, Shay. I am not losing. I am. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you'll show those libtards. I will. What was that? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I think it'd be a good moment to highlight the VIP. By the way, if you've been enjoying the show and you want to donate and support us, we have a uh, a cult, as you might say, of hardcore Sword Chomp Chompcast followers. Uh, if you donate to our Patreon page, 
patreon.com slash swordchomp. We have a $5 tier, and it gets you access to a secret Instagram page. It's got a lot of cool stuff. I got a funny video up for Josh this week involving the shovel launcher. I found a rare video. You guys should check it out. I found a rare video of me doing a box opening for Lucky Charms, Pokemon Lucky Charms, that I made like a year ago and thought it was too embarrassing to post. But I kept, <laughs> so I kept it. Oh, I watched it. I watched it. And I was like, okay, I see why he didn't post it in the first place. Mm. <laughs> that, those are the kind of joys you can find. I, I dig around my computer for things I was too afraid to post and other sort of inside jokes and stuff like that um, at our Patreon page. Donations mean the world to us and, uh, you know, it goes to help paying legal fees and site fees and stuff like that. So, um, And possibly that, merchandise stuff in the very near future. Yes, mm-hmm. we're going to be polling and asking people about that in the near future. Speaking of which, uh, there, actually, this, has, this is not a natural segue. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Although, of which, something well, completely I did, different. I did technically poll people about the new Joker, uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix, which I thought was interesting because I my first thought, to be honest with you, was another fucking Joker. How many goddamn Jokers do we need in this fucking world? Which is one of the options. Either I'm jokered out or I dig it. And I love Joaquin Phoenix, but I voted for I'm jokered out. But I want to know how you guys feel if you've seen Mm. it. There's going to be a movie. I guess it's just about the Joker. I don't think Batman is a part of it. Um. It's interesting. I just think that speaks to the fact of how good Heath Ledger did as the Joker. And how hard it is to fill his shoes. But um, I voted for uh, I'm excited. Um, it'll be interesting to see him play. He played a very good, very good psycho in Gladiator. So I know he's perfectly capable. He's a very versatile actor and I'm just, we'll just see what happens. I'm not, I'm not like super excited. I'm not a big comic book fan or Joker fan or anything like that, but I'm a Joaquin Phoenix fan. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he could do it well, but I don't, it's really hard to replace Joker after Cesar Romero. I don't get that. Who the fuck is Cesar Romero? The Joker. Is that like a 1960s Joker or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Joker. You, you would say that, Josh. I'm a Jared Leto guy myself. Uh, <clears throat> no, you're not. Oh, Jesus. No, you're no not. No one's a Jared Leto. Jared hey, Leto I, isn't I even am a Jared Leto guy. No, no, yeah. Come on. No, I love Jared Leto. I haven't seen What I'm just sort of shoe would you have to scrape someone off of for them to actually be a Jared Leto mm-hmm. fan as the Joker? Go ask my uh, 2001 30 Seconds to Mars albums, Josh, and they'll tell you all about it. Hmm. And the year says everything you need to know about that. <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen it. I was just fucking with you guys. But I am a Jared Leto guy. I haven't seen his Joker though. Um, I would not sit. I will not put myself through Suicide, suicide Squad. So I'm not going. To, I'm not going to endure that. I refuse. That sounds like the wise call. Anyway, 66 percent of our audience said that they dig it. So that means they're curious and they think it looks interesting. So they have faith in the Phoenix. And the last thing I thought was kind of cool is Kojima finally dropped a lot of art for Death Stranding and it looks exactly like early concept art for Metal Gear Solid because I assume it's probably the exact same artist that worked with him 
Um, and it looks pretty amazing. So yeah, 76% of our audience said it reminds them of Metal Gear Solid, and 24% of them said meh. And I'm going to find every one of those 24% <laughs> and then unfollow them immediately. <laughs> Can't believe meh. Come on, that art is incredible. I just Meh. I just don't understand. I was definitely one of the 24%. No, Jay, I, you're probably just doing that to spite me, though. I never even know if no, it's real. No, I voted the other side. Shay is like the variable. I goes, I just don't see how anyone could see that art and not think it looks incredible. I just don't understand. Um, I actually quoted myself because that's sort of the sort of psychopath that I am. Huh. I, I didn't have anything to put on the post because I put up the pictures on our Instagram. So I said, artistically speaking, what I have seen of Death Stranding so far has been nothing short of mesmerizing pure imagination that is only rivaled by the dark recesses of my most haunting dreams. Morgan Barnes of Sword Chomp. I <laughs> you know, I feel like the more you run that Instagram, the more the ego comes out. Yeah. It's Actually, not, it's not yeah. ego. It's just, I'm just oh, playing it. It's going to float the away multiple at times some point. you refer to yourself in the third person, now you're <laughs> quoting yourself. Well, I, I do that because... I, it's supposed to be about us. It's not about me. So, like, I, it's not my Instagram. It, yeah, it makes it's sense. It's our Instagram. So I'm not quoting yeah. myself in the third person for that reason. Let me have my point. He's just making sure that no one puts one of his horrible opinions on somebody else. Yeah. We don't exactly. want, we don't want that pinned true. on us. That's true. That's I used true. to actually, when we first started, I would say things, and I'd be like, oh, Josh ain't going to agree with this. <laughs> I, don't put, I don't put my dirty words in his mouth. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, there have been some times when I'm on the Twitter, and I see something, I'm like, oh, motherfucker, I'm going to respond. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm on the Sword Chomp Twitter. No, <laughs> like, hang on. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't uh, insult that race right back. now. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. Yes, 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 and yes. So if you see me doing the third person thing, it's just because it's our Instagram. We got a lot of cool stuff up this week, some funny videos. I finished Arkham Knight. I want to talk to you guys later about a, a little tiny spoiler show. Maybe when Josh is in town, we can do it because uh, Shay has no interest in hearing that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, man, Shay, I'm telling you, man, that game blew my mind, and I'm not even a Batman nerd or a fucking superhero nerd, I wouldn't say. My my fiance always gives me shit because she's like, you say you're not a superhero nerd, but you watch all these stupid superhero movies. And I'm like, just because I'm interested in learning about it or experiencing it to have an opinion doesn't mean I'm a nerd or that I'm a th- enthusiast, shall I say. Yeah. But man, that game is fucking crazy. The ending of that game, I did not see. You actually change gameplay types in the last like 20 minutes of that game drastically for these for this long prolonged sequence with the Joker and it was fucking cra- it was crazy. That game's crazy. And uh I don't know, it's a, it's a good game. Yeah. $10. Got the game for $10. I mean, that's cool though that it was I mean, you were able to retroactively go back and enjoy it. Which is something yeah. that we kind of recently think about, about how much so. you would have enjoyed it had you oh, actually gone. I know, gotten, gotten to play it when it was new. Damn it! I'll tell you this: I don't think it would have passed. <laughs> I don't think it would have uh, passed Bloodborne, but it, Bloodborne still would have probably been my game of the year that year. But yeah. it would have been my runner-up for sure. Mm-hmm. Man, you're right yeah. though, Josh. I was thinking about that. I bet if I played it in 2015, the visuals would have probably exploded more for me, and I'd been like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it was. It was really good looking at the time because it was it was kind of it was one of the show pieces for the ps4 
Yeah, those early PS4 games. Unfortunately, now it looks like an early PS4 game, so you mm-hmm. can see more like graphical tearing and some things like that. Like, I'm kind of a graphic snob in that I, well, let's put it this way. I just got done playing like Tomb Raider on my Xbox One, and then I went to play yeah. Arkham Knight. So it's it's no slap against Arkham Knight. The art direction is amazing. It's just, yeah, it's you still, can it see. still looks really good. It still yes, yeah. looks really good. And it even inspired me to uh, contact the composer. That game, man, that's a great game. Um, all right, so mm-hmm. that's pretty much getting to the end here as we sort of wrap things up, all the polls, all the big stuff. We wrap the, the Patreon. Um, make Double-check my notes here. Make sure we don't forget anything big before we go to talk to Fish. Uh, uh, so he's coming up for my wedding next week along with Josh, which is pretty exciting. Um, so we'll have to figure out what we're going to do for the podcast next week, I guess. And because it's going to be kind of crazy. We're going to have, if you are signed up for our VIP or you'd like to sign up, there's going to be a lot of incredible stuff dropping on our VIP page. About, I'd say 70% of the stuff I take, I'm going to put on the VIP and maybe 20% of it I'll put out for the public to see because I want to be able to reward people with a lot of inside stuff if they've been supporting us. So, um, Anyways, it's been a fun show, good show. We're going to wrap this thing up in a timely manner. Uh, Fish, AI Fish, I want to thank you for being here. I know Fish worked really hard to build you over the past couple weeks uh, in his dark basement. Um, Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Um, Perhaps here, you know, as we kind of wrap up the podcast. But fate would not have that, apparently. Fucking fate. Fuck you, fate! You screwed me out of fucking Olivia Munn! All right, well, that's... Uh, I think that sums it up. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's fate my complaint a... against Fate too. So, I feel you, Fish. I feel you, AI Fish. Uh. Fate is a cruel mistress. <laughs> fate, is a, fate is a cruel... I, I, feel like, I feel like Fate screwed me out of the BAC. Fish got that and I didn't. Mm. Well, Fish got a lot of things that we didn't. That's for damn sure. He did. And including the ability to do such incredible, incredible, <laughs> uh, incredible um, impressions. He's a donkey, a punch, and a She's a like Jesus. <sighs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here. Um, like I said, our side podcasts, our sister podcasts, Evoking the Sublime. Or In the Blood. Great shows. You should check them out. The Patreon. Patreon.com slash Swordchomp. Your donations mean the world to us. Especially if you're a VIP. We love you. A lot of crazy stuff coming in the future. And uh, we will uh, let Fish serenade us out of here with the most eloquent thing that he possibly could do. Oh, God. I want to know what the fuck he was thinking when he made that. I don't remember. There was a thought that went through his mind that ended in that. (laughs) Yeah, there are so many good ones that I could not send on the podcast. This. Right. I would the the amount of things I had to not play because I didn't want him to hate me forever. I had to screen everything through fish, so he cut about half of them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the surprising. half he didn't cut. That's what's <laughs>
Uh, I was, believe me, I was uh, disappointed. Uh, <laughs> keep pounding away, Mario. Anyways, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to the Chomcast. We will see you next week.